Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We are starting off with show notes today. We have our evening with medium events coming up on April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th. Luckily for us, April is already sold out. Mm-hmm. Tickets are still on sale for August and December, so you can head to the website buysarlo.com to pick those up before they go. And Kelly, I do want to mention a thank you to everybody who purchased tickets for April and to mention that tickets are already sold for August and there are tickets already sold for December. Yeah, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Now, we do have one extra event coming up in June. That's on the 7th and it's in Sturgeon Falls, Ontario at the Sturgeon River House Museum. June 7th from 7 till 9, tickets are on sale at the Sturgeon River House Museum as well as the Sturgeon Rec Center. Right. So please hear that. You can't call us to get tickets for that event only. No, we are showing up to that one. Yep. Sips of Sanity are 10-minute podcast shows that are available at the website by sarlo.com only. It's not available yet on iTunes. And those 10-minute shows run the first week of every month, Monday to Friday. There is a series and they're clumped in groups of five so that you can listen to five 10-minute shows at your ease and we usually pick a topic that has to do with emotional or spiritual intelligence and while you're at the website we do have mugs for sale they're $15 each you can purchase those at buysarlo.com you can book a session with either Kelly or I by going to the website buysarlo.com and filling out a request for session form and then we get back to you by email or by phoning you you can have a session by Skype FaceTime, Zoom, telephone, or in person. And you can be anywhere in the world and still have a session that gives you the same quality and the same accuracy as if you're in person. And the same goes for gift certificates. So you can request those through the website as well. Give us a call or email us. Awesome. On to the show. Kelly, I went back, looked at all of the shows since 2016, and wanted to get back to another universal law. Because the universal laws are part of the toolkit that you and I enjoy and are committed to sharing with our listeners. So today's show is about the universal law of responsibility. So Kel, I went to Wikipedia and I googled responsibility to see the proper definition. And it says the state or fact of having a duty to deal with something or of having control over someone. That re- it really caught me because it's right there in the definition that part of responsibility is a desire or a need, depending on the circumstance and the experience, for control. So I'm just going to start with that so people can think about the actual definition of responsibility. And then I went into Dan Millman's book, The Life You Were Born to Live. So if anyone wants a reference point for some of the points that we've got in this show, they can go to that book. And actually, we've used his book for all of the universal laws as one of our resources. The beginning of what Dan writes in the book under the universal law of responsibility, one of his first points is to say that one must know our limits and our boundaries first. And then we can tackle our responsibilities. And I got to tell you that as soon as I read that, 
I just sat back and it just, I just let it wash all over me because so many people are so in their heads about responsibilities that this is going to be a difficult podcast for them to listen to because they can tie their knickers in a knot. That's an old expression I can think of for some of the older people in the audience listening to this. Younger people might think that the squirrels in their head are running rampant because we feel overwhelmed as a society with too many responsibilities. And sometimes they're not actually our responsibilities because we don't know our own boundaries. So we think some of the things that we have to do are actually not even things we have to do. But if we don't know that we don't have to do them, then we just think it and we make it our truth. So I know that you've got a page prepared to talk about this. Is this a good time to jump in with examples? Yeah, okay. sure. Because I'm thinking about having attended your journeying workshop on the weekend. Mm. And one of the women saying that each time she went into a journey, she would bring the concept of her daughter in or she would journey on behalf of her daughter or for her daughter because all she could focus on as a mom was taking away her daughter's anxiety. Mm-hmm. I remembered wanting to say so many things about responsibility Mm -hmm. because she, not knowing her own boundaries or her daughter's, thought this was her responsibility. I think that's a great example, Kelly. And there are two people involved here who have separate responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Moms being just to provide love and safety. And the daughter, the growing daughter, who's in her teen years, to begin understanding her own limitations and her own boundaries, Mm -hmm. her comfort zones, Mm -hmm. and figuring out what causes her anxiety and what she can do or what toolbox she wants to put together to lessen that anxiety, because there's always going to be an existence of it. Oh, okay, let's start with that point right there, that there's always going to be a level of anxiety I will say in almost every human being, I think that's a healthy statement that we all have anxiety because we have to respond. Yeah. And like we've said before, anxiety can be fantastic. It can be an anticipation of something really good. Mm -hmm. And if we don't accept the fact that every single person is going to experience anxiety on some level, healthy and unhealthy, then we think it's our responsibility to deal with not only their anxiety and what causes it, but anything that we can anticipate. And there is no way on earth that any human can anticipate every possibility of anxiety for another person. No, because the fact of the matter is you're going to be wrong about a lot of it. So if I go for a hike to the lookout here in North Bay at North Shore, and I get to the lookout and I want to protect my friend or my dog that I took on the hike with me, but they don't have the same fear of heights as me, they can step a little bit closer to the edge. Mm -hmm. And yet I might think it's my responsibility to say we're only going to go this far. Mm -hmm. And I have robbed them at that point of their own personal experience because I anticipated anxieties within my own mindset. 
which leads to the fact that we can take away a person's ability to create and see their own choices and to have their own level of control and their own level of self-esteem and self-worth because of our need to be over responsible. Yes, and let's let's use the same example here. I might go so far to that edge and feel comfortable. With my partner, he may be able to walk closer than myself. I may walk you out on that same hike and think I'm doing a good job of taking you to as far as I can go and it's too far for you. I still haven't done a good job of anticipating because it's not my responsibility. I can ask you more questions, tell you when it's coming up, let you play with it, and say, we are here, we're the furthest back you can get. Well, now you're pointing out that you're actually going to communicate with me. Mm -hmm. So when people are over-responsible, they lack communication. Yeah, we make assumptions. They stop speaking. They stop asking questions. And like you say, they make their assumptions. And from that, they even may take many actions. Mm. And that's the overstepping. Having anxiety is not overstepping. Assuming that someone has the same as you is. Mm -hmm. Well, because now you're meshing. I want to say, Kelly, that you're erasing them as a human being. Because you're making their issues disappear. And you're making your issues projected onto them. So you're making it like you're one person, but in that one personhood, they've disappeared. So to me, it's like you erase them. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine in this instance or in any instance, whether you're a teenager, or a full adult or a child, that any person is going to enjoy being erased, even if it is by their own mother or by their own spouse or partner or girlfriend or friend or anybody. Yeah, and I think the really cool point that you made when we were in the workshop is she kept trying to interrupt and say, yeah, but my intention is, and you said, I, 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 blah, 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 I don't care. Whatever your intention is doesn't matter. You've overstepped a boundary. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it can give a person a sense of relief. I think of a mom who's trying very hard to be a good mom, but now she's in people-pleasing mode instead of, if I use my emotional intelligence toolkit and ask my child questions or let my child just learn lessons and make mistakes and learn from the mistakes. But quite often what happens when we're over-responsible is that we have a tremendous fear of any type of mistake. So what can get hooked into it is perfectionism. And remember that your perfectionism, where this mom wants to take away all anxieties, is actually projected onto the daughter. So her daughter will now subconsciously fear not being perfect because she can't anticipate her, her mother's anxiety now. And so if she's making mistakes or not getting things perfect, she knows mom's going to get anxious. So now she has to be anxious. Right. And so now you have an anxious teenager on top of all of the other stuff that teenagers are going through. And she's not getting individuality. She's not separating her identity. Her mother's forcing, or a parent can be, forcing their identity on their child. And that means their fears. That's what you're saying. Mom is projecting her fears onto her child. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, 
How would you cope with this? What do you see in this? Instead of curiosity. So when we become over-responsible, we can lose our sense of playfulness and our sense of curiosity. We throw some very beautiful things out the window. And those two beautiful things that get thrown out the window should be in an emotional intelligence toolkit. So in that whole little process, and that's a great example, you've got a couple of good examples there. We don't really see the other person as an individual from us. And as a result of that, we don't actually value them. No, because this is when they become a burden, right? So if I as the mom have to be perfect and have perfect in my life, and this teenager is just a complete embodiment that I am out of control now because I can't control another human, then I don't value her. I I come to resent her, really. Yeah. Because I need to constantly watch and keep my thumb on her, make sure she doesn't do anything to cause herself anxiety, which will cause me anxiety. How can you really love? How can you really see them? And yet, people would argue with you, Kelly, that that is love. It's it's dysfunction and it's unhealthy, but they can actually believe that it is. And I'll say why. I believe you. I wouldn't engage in the argument. Right. And I'm going to finish that sentence. They believe that because of what TV and movies and books show us. And quite often what's modeled for us. If we have a mom who did it to us or a dad or a friend or whatever in our life, a partner, then we think that that's being loved. We think, we may think and truly believe that we're going to make that person feel safe by always being there for them and being responsible for them. In reality, we do the exact opposite. We make them feel insecure. We make them feel that it's not going to be enough. Nothing's going to be ever enough. And that if we make mistakes, there's something innately wrong with us. So our self-esteem hurts, our self-worth does, and our total sense of normal, our total sense of what is healthy in a relationship. Now take this, and if you're listening to it and you don't have children, Can this actually apply to you in any of your partnerships? So you might sit there and go, no, no, I'm fine. I'm just listening to the show and enjoying it. And you might look over at your partner and think, I'm not even going to ask and check in because I don't really want to know the answer. So if you're sitting there this morning having coffee and you do have a partner, then if you don't want to check in, how come? So just something to think about. If you're doing so well at not being over-responsible and you have healthy boundaries, can you check in? And if your partner sitting there listening to this gets up and goes and gets coffee (laughs) and does something else, it may be that there's part of your answer that they really don't want to talk to you about it. So if you're a brick wall, because this can happen, people who become over-responsible become brick walls, meaning that I'm going to die this way because I believe that I am a good person when I'm over-responsible. It gets tied into my identity. Don't you dare take this away from me. This is my self-worth. This is my, this is how I value and evaluate my worth. So if you take these job or this job 
away from me, what am I? Let's do a fun twist on that one. If your partner is someone that you are overly responsible for and they just left the room, <laughs> are they someone who force you to do everything for them? Oh, I Do like they it. play helplessness so that they don't have to learn, grow, or do? Mm-hmm. Because there are partners who get thrown into this and remain blind until they have this aha wake-up moment where it wasn't necessarily who you were. But little by little, your lazy partner put everything on you and somehow you became over-responsible for everyone. Mm -hmm. Somehow you became the parent of your partner. They may be leaving the room because they can't afford for you to stop because they've conditioned you. They've conditioned you so that they don't have to think for themselves and so that they don't have to be responsible for the outcome. Think about that. If you are someone who has been put in a position to be overly responsible, someone in your life doesn't want the responsibility of consequences. And that's a universal law itself. Mm -hmm. So now let's talk about an idea called your internal state. Mm -hmm. Well, that internal state, Kelly, is where you are aware of what your emotions are and you are aware of your intellectual side. So you know what you think, you know what you believe, you know what your boundaries are, because you can't know what your boundaries are unless you know what you believe. Because if you don't, that's when your partner, child, whoever we're talking about in this relationship with you, can press all those buttons so that you can tip into over-responsible. But if you solidly know, if you sit down and take out a pen and paper, go grab something in the kitchen, yank out your pen and paper right now and think, what do I believe? Do I believe that a grown-ass man or woman can pick up after themselves? Then I know that I'm not responsible to pick up after another adult. If I know that my child at the age of three can pick up and put his or her toys away, then I don't need to be over-responsible to pick up after my three-year-old and put toys away. And I picked those two on purpose. Yeah, I really like those. Because you can switch toys for clothing. Oh, I have. You can switch toys for their equipment. Mm -hmm. You can switch it for their sports gear. You can switch it for their dishes. You can switch toys for everything that is connected to that person and their identity. And understand that you are not responsible after the age of three for any of it. And that it really should be an aware choice of when you really do want to pick up after them. Not a pattern, but a choice. And I'm stressing that it's not a pattern because that's when it becomes over-responsible, when we nag, when we complain, and when the other person who knows that they're doing that to you and they're not picking up after themselves because they've already trained you. So why are you complaining? Why are you still bringing this up? I thought we got through this training session and we both knew you were going to pick up after me. And you end up in the cycle 
of the fight. And it goes right back to knowing your own boundaries. Knowing how to adult in a relationship and not allowing somebody else to treat you differently past the age of three. Otherwise, Kelly, it's imbalanced. Otherwise, you're in a constant state of anxiety in the relationship, even when it's good. Even when it's great. Because then you go back into that you know that the pattern is going to return. Otherwise, Kelly, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're just, you're happy in a few moments, even could be a weekend, it even could be a vacation together, but you know you're going back to the same pattern. And that is one of the patterns that make most relationships break. Because you're going to swing your pendulum from being over cooperative to under. At some point in a relationship, your pendulum swings. Unless you die first. And some people might giggle when they hear that. And some people might sit there and say, well, fuck. So if you giggled, then maybe you've got the gumption to do something about it. But if you said, well, fuck, then maybe you're having that moment of, I have to have a conversation and get done this. But you have to recognize right now, listening to this, that you're not going towards that partner or child to say, I have to fix you, or you're just repeating the pattern. You have to be able to sit down and hear the show today and say, oh, they mean I have to fix myself. (laughs) I have to sit here and deal with my own shit. This isn't about them and their shit and training me. This is about my shit because I let it happen. And I'm participating in it willfully. So I freaking love this law because it is a deal breaker. It is where you are supposed to be able to sit down and hear this show and be grateful for it instead of thinking and being irritated and just wanting to turn it off. But instead, where you really sit down, hear this and go, yes, it's a game changer. Totally. Because if I sit here and really understand I am overreaching, I am not seeing the other person. I am not valuing them. I am the overreacher or I am and I am the fixer. And the opposite of that can be stepping out of anxiety. Allowing the other person to become responsible for themselves. And that is called growing up right from the age of three. And there are plenty of 70 and 80 year olds that haven't grown up, not with this universal law. They may have had jobs, they may have tons of responsibility at work. So you might sit here and think, wow, that doesn't sound like my partner. They're very responsible at work. They may be, they may get the universal law of responsibility and totally understand how to be cooperative at work, how not to cross boundaries. Maybe they're great with their friends. Maybe they're great in the neighborhood, but maybe they suck in one relationship. But if it's one relationship, then you have to know that they know what they're doing. They know better. And that they have seen that you are willing 
And that should be your biggest flag that they absolutely know. So if you confront them one more time and they don't admit it, hand them the podcast and walk away. And let them come back when they have a look on their face to say, okay, today is do better. And it better be day one or your, and it better be day one. If I know you, the next words out of your mouth, given your facial expressions was, or you're fucked. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, or or it's over, or you need therapy. But boy, I would say, don't bother with the therapy. Because if you're going to go to a therapist, and you have a brick wall person who doesn't want to change the fact that you're over responsible, and they're not, and they don't want to go to therapy, and they come out with lines like, I don't believe in it, or it's a waste of money, or whatever. I can't afford it. We only have three sessions through work. It simply means they don't want to do the work. Because that person has sabotage techniques. And that therapist has to be able to deal with their sabotage first. Here's a question. Do you know your priorities? And do you know what they are? Because if you don't know what your priorities are in the relationship, or you don't know what your priorities are just for you as an individual, then it can be easy to overstep responsibility. It can be easy to want to focus on someone else and fix theirs and do for them than to know what your own priorities are. But boy, if you know your own priorities are to be healthy, your own priority is to set boundaries, to be able to not be in anxiety at all times or to swing with depression, If you know your priority is to be healthy enough so that you can do your job and function to pay bills, that you want to have a social life and be active in it. If you know what your priorities are, it's easier to set your boundaries. It's easier not to be over responsible because you're going to always sit back. I'll say sit on your heels, meaning you sit back into yourself to say, hmm, Do I actually have the energy to meet all of these things for myself? Or am I too focused on all of these other people? Or this one other person? I think it's good to note too that this can be a situation where a parent, like you just said, focuses their energy on one child. Mm -hmm. It's not that they're over-responsible for all or both. It's that they focus them all on one. I, I like that you're saying that. Because they may have a partner that won't let them do it to them. So they pick a child. Yeah. Where they become overly responsible and they end up not even realizing that they're neglectful of the other children. Mm -hmm. They think that they've given their children equal opportunity. In their eyes, they feel they've done a great job raising all of them. But they've actually been overly responsible and overly attentive to just one. Mm -hmm. Boy, talk about creating resentment then, eh? And then they won't want to have to ever face the fact of the truth of that as to why certain children would resent them. Or the other sibling. Absolutely. And may walk away from the other siblings and the parent where no one truly understands why, except them. So we're asking people to stretch their comfort zone today. And I realize that. Because we have to sit sometimes and know where we're uncomfortable. And sometimes we sit in the discomfort knowing that we're overreaching and that we're over-responsible. We know it. 
or we know we're being under-responsible, and we know it. But we may feel that that's our comfort zone. That is the status quo of this relationship. That's comfort. I ain't moving. I like that you brought that up because we talked about the potential adult who is under-responsible mm-hmm. and has trained the other partner to be over-responsible. And I think it's really important for people to understand that those people can also have perfection issues. Yeah. They can be suffering from perfection paralysis, the fear of not being perfect, so I can't start or I can't try. And that can be why they choose to not be responsible for consequences. And and I think, again, another piece to note is that oftentimes it doesn't really have anything to do with you as an individual. Mm -hmm. People have these issues irrespective of the person that they're projecting onto. Mm -hmm. It is their own issue. Mm -hmm. But it does require you to figure out your own role in that partnership whether it is partners, whether it is parent-child, whether it's friendships or adult siblings. Right, we're at work. The responsibility is for you to figure out your role and how you want to go forward. Kelly, there are so many work environments where an employee can underachieve and be under-responsible and set the pattern forth because maybe they've done that in their own home and then show up at work and train even their boss and train even all of the other co-workers that I'm under-responsible and I underachieve. So everybody else has to pick up the slack and be over-responsible for me. And and if anybody calls me out on that, I'm just going to either avoid everybody, or I might go home sick, or I might have a temper tantrum, or and so on and so on, right? Instead of being dealt with. So the opposite of that, just to come into the end of the show today, Cal is to say that when we actually are healthily responsible, we know our boundaries. We know what we believe. We can support others and check in. We can accept support from others, which is something over-responsible people can struggle with. And under. Oh, I love that point. We can watch others make mistakes. We can watch them learn from their mistakes. We can learn to communicate better, to find a balance, to be able to say, well, this is what I'm willing to do, and you can do this part. So we learn to create different statements and to ask different questions so that we can identify when we're becoming over-responsible. Not get into fights, not get into arguments, but to create a different conversation. And then if the person, when we're healthy, doesn't respond or can't respond healthily, that's when we know they have work to do on their own stuff. Well said. I think this is going to leave some people in an awkward situation. And that's why I said that we have to stretch our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. because sometimes we have to be able to sit in that discomfort and go, whoa, I need to sit in this kind of discomfort of letting their clothing be all over the floor or not be over-responsible and run out and get my kids' stuff for a project when they can come to me and tell me first. I can let them fail at school. I can let the coach say they weren't prepared and they don't get to play the game. I have to let the consequences be what they are. 
and I have to watch and observe what they do when I don't rescue anymore. Are they actually able to rise to the occasion? So maybe your partner, while you're having a shower, tidies up the whole place? Do you watch them step up? Or do you watch them slam the door, go out and avoid dealing with it, leaving you at all costs by the end of the weekend or whatever, that their stuff is still everywhere. And you're, they're still saying, you have to be over responsible. So do they push you into a corner, no matter what? And that is the reality that you have to face now. So you might need a toolkit to learn how to deal with that, instead of going into being over responsible. Can I share a story? Yeah. Okay. Um, I won't give away the identity, but I was talking to a mother of two teenagers who go to high school here in the city, and she believes that she's willing to get her teenage kids up in the morning, so be their alarm system, Hmm. but beyond the alarm system, they have to get themselves ready and onto their bus. So okay. and, and I love that because I remember loving being woken up by you instead of something that was a terrifying sound. So she has accepted that as her role I love in the morning. That. Yeah. And so she says, you get yourselves ready. You get yourselves on the bus because they live a little bit outside town. And everything was going well this one morning. They were both dressed and ready in their uniforms. And the brother picked a fight with the younger sister. Mm. And they got so enveloped in this fight that they missed their bus. And she turned to them, the mother, and she said, after a couple other things regarding the specific (laughs) fight, she says, this is your problem. You will now have to wait until I am ready to go into town to my job. You will be late for your classes. Mm -hmm. Good for her. So now they have to wait on her. They're at her mercy. And she says... Then I called the school and I said, I would like you to know that my children are going to be late for no good reason. I want disciplinary action implemented. Good. She said, I do not authorize their lateness. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And then the school said, well, miss, I'm really sorry, but this is both of their first offenses. We need three to implement any discipline. (laughs) So the mom's laughing. She's trying to be responsible, teach them responsibility. And the school's saying we have a little bit of leeway. But it created enough discomfort in the kids to understand and hear their mom say, I'm calling to say I didn't authorize this lateness. And I want consequences for the kids so they understand what it feels like and that they have to explain their choices that they made this morning. Right, because they chose to have a fight. Yes. At that time. Instead of later yeah, or starting it and saying, we'll continue this discussion. I got to catch a bus. <laughs> yeah, We got to get our asses yeah. to school. And I thought she did such a wonderful job in that moment of parenting and saying, here's my level of responsibility. Here's where it ends. And now you're on your own. We need this. We needed this show. This was picked purposely because our world needs this. Everybody needs to hear a show like this. It doesn't have to be ours. But we need to hear stuff like this on TV and on radios instead of, oh, I don't want to pick on radios, but I want to just say instead of other stuff. How's that? We need the stuff that's meaty. Well, that holds us accountable, that teaches us what accountability is. That teaches emotional intelligence and behaviors that are healthy and normal instead of, how the bar for normal 
has dropped to disastrous levels. Where schools don't have mums calling like that, they have mom and dads coming in defending children's behaviors when they're late. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a very dear friend of mine who's a teacher who actually also taught me when I was in high school. And we were catching up this weekend and she said, I had my first complaint ever in my 20 years of teaching. I said, oh, what happened? She says, I got in trouble by a parent because there was a snow day, which we have like 40 of them in Northern Ontario. And the parent complained to the superintendent of the board and said that she was upset that she couldn't take her daughter figure skating on her snow day because the teacher assigned homework. Oh, my God. Mm hmm. Okay, I, I love what you're doing because we have to teach responsibility and so many parents are not doing it anymore and they won't let the schools do it either. That was the point I was going to make. So the superintendent walked into the teacher's room and said, I just need to let you know you got your first complaint. It was because you did your job. And I informed the parent, great, I'm hearing that she did her job. Oh, thank God that superintendent had her back. Yeah. Because I also hear from some teachers that the superintendents don't have their backs anymore. No, they bend over and say, never mind. I'm going to, yeah, I hear yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> they let the parents screw them up the ass. Exactly. And what we're trying to say is that's enough. Mm -hmm. There has to be a place where we can go to hear the words, that's enough. Because we need healthy people. And we that's need it. We need healthy behaviors. Yeah, end of story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you for bringing up the topic. I am going to continue to bring up the universal laws. I went through the archives to make sure that we have we are continuing them and I noticed we hadn't done one for a while. Yeah, and I'll link the uh, the past ones. So if people enjoyed this universal law and they're thinking, "Oh, I thought we only had the universal law of attraction." because we pick on that all the time, uh, I'll link up some of the older ones so that you can start educating yourselves about the other kinds of universal laws. Yeah, I, I liken it all the time. My analogy, as you know, is you can't build a house with a hammer. So to think that you know the universal laws, if you just know attraction or just abundance, which everybody thinks is the very same law, if you don't know the other ones, then you're trying to get through life very much like somebody who's trying to build a house with a hammer. You've got one tool. It's not going to happen. And it's going to be a pretty shitty house with no foundation. Good. Okay, so if you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at com. Otherwise, we do have Sips of Sanity starting on Monday morning on the website com, and a new episode of Coffee with the Sarlows out on Saturday. <laughs>